May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from, <clears throat> excuse me, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. What then, Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each of us. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor for each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. Our second reading is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 25 through 29. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you, as were baptized into Christ, have closed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
Well, I have breaking news for all of us today. God is a Methodist. <laughs> and perhaps even more so, God is a Scottish Methodist. <laughs> I'm wearing my uh, tartan from the Scottish Methodist Church, so I just thought I'd throw that in today. 
You know, we Methodists are so cool. We are. We are so cool, we're sizzling hot. Now, I'm not saying that there are no other cool denominations, but on the coolness scale, Methodists are like absolutely freezing. Matter of fact, this Methodist got asked two weeks ago to serve communion at the New Hope Lutheran Church because their pastor was away. So Pastor Craig said that he called his bishop and asked if it would be all right for a Methodist to serve communion to the Lutherans, and the bishop said, please do. So I told his congregation that morning as I prepared to serve communion that uh, I had a local mortuary call me and ask if I'd be able to officiate a funeral service for a Lutheran whose ministers were unavailable for the service. So I said, well, I better call the bishop's office and ask him. So I called our bishop to ask if it was all right for me to bury a Lutheran. Why, yes, he said, is perfectly all right. And while you're at it, bury all the Lutherans you can. <laughs> Don't write the, the bishop letters. He didn't really say that to me. <laughs> I am, though, proud to be a Methodist. My roots are deep. My seventh great-grandmother, Elizabeth Cressy, was actually converted under the preaching of the Reverend John Wesley in Yorkshire, England. My maternal side of the family has been Methodist ever since, and my family started some of the very first Methodist chapels, meeting houses, burial grounds in Yorkshire, England, Ireland, and Canada, as well as being some of the very earliest local preachers in the Methodist church. But this morning, my sermon is entitled, God is a Methodist. Now, perhaps you think I should have said that God is with the Methodist, or maybe Methodists believe in God. Or even Methodists follow God. But no, my sermon today is God is a Methodist. Let me share a true story with you about slavery and racial prejudice, which has been called America's original sin. It's a story about a moment in history that changed America. How many of you have seen the movie 42? Movie 42, quite a few of you. It's the story of Jackie Robinson becoming the first black player in Major League Baseball when he was hired by Branch Rickey to play ball with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Jack Roosevelt Robinson was born in Cairo, Georgia in 1919 to a family of sharecroppers. His mother raised him single-handedly along with his four other siblings. From this humble beginning would come the first baseball player to break Major League Baseball's color barrier that segregated the sport for more than 50 years. In 1947, Brooklyn Dodgers president Branch Rickey approached Jackie about joining the Brooklyn Dodgers. The Major Leagues had not had an African-American player since 1889 when baseball officially became segregated. When Jackie first donned a Brooklyn Dodger uniform, he pioneered the integration of professional athletics in America. By breaking the color barrier in baseball, the nation's preeminent sport, he courageously challenged the deeply rooted custom of racial segregation in both the North and in the South. At the end of Robinson's rookie season with the Brooklyn Dodgers, he had become National League Rookie of the Year with 12 homers, a league-leading 29 steals, and a 297 average. 
1949, he was selected as National League's Most Valuable Player of the Year and also won the batting title with a 342 average that same year. As a result of these great successes and the profession that he served, he was eventually inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1962. Now, the key scene in the movie for me is when Robinson meets Ricky, and Ricky pulls out a copy of the devotional book on the life of Christ by Giovanni Papini, and he reads a passage that describes the Sermon on the Mount, and the focus turns to the reference about turning the other cheek as one of Jesus' most stupefying teachings. Ricky was asking Jackie to turn the other cheek for what he was about to face. Where were they going to find the power and ability to do this? Both of them realized the answer. Of course, for we Methodists, the best line in the movie is when Ricky talks to him about what it will take to be strong in the face of racism and says as he looks at Jackie, Robinson's a Methodist, I'm a Methodist, God is a Methodist, we can't go wrong. <laughs> That's why I'm saying today that God is a Methodist. I'm preaching here today as one of your former pastors, and I want to thank Pastor Walt and the church for inviting me to come back to share with you. It's great looking out at you. Well, most of you. <laughs> Boy, Donovan, I come in, he gives me an ugly tie to wear for today. <laughs> but I am here today not to talk to you about the 14 years I shared with you as your pastor, but I want to share with you a few thoughts about anniversaries. You know, many people mix up the reasons for anniversaries. I often hear things like, this is our 50th anniversary. Where do we go from here? Now, that is not a bad question. But actually, there's a prior statement that you have to make at a time like this, and that is to ask, where have we come from? Only looking to the future ignores the gifts of those who preceded us, and the people who oftentimes sacrificed so much that we could be here in this moment, in this church, worshiping at this time with each one of others in the presence of God. And it is something that we see as we recognize and not ignore the gifts of those who preceded us and the people who oftentimes sacrificed so that we could have our presence here. In our scripture in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You see, there are other people that are part of this time, not just us. There are people before us who in their dedication and commitment and prayer saw this church come into be. Those without, through whose faithfulness to this church, we would not be celebrating 50 years on this corner witnessing to the power of Jesus Christ. Some of them you knew. Some of you are here today who were here 50 years ago. Most of us did not know many of those people but on this anniversary of 50 years, I acknowledge each of them, known and unknown, to say from this poll, but thank you and to thank you for being faithful disciples of Jesus Christ to allow us to follow Christ here for 50 years. 
and to pray God might be here for another 50 years that we can look back at 100 years and say thank you to each one of you for the faithfulness that you have given to make this church be what it is. It is the same for all baseball players to look back and acknowledge Jackie Robinson for what he personally sacrificed for the sake of every black player since. And so we stand this morning at the crossroads of our church's history, for it is only in looking back to see the past, and we give thanks for those who are part of it, that we are prepared now to look ahead to the future. And from this past and faithfulness, for us to be able to see the future that God has prepared for us. And from this past and faithfulness, I'm going to suggest to you that we owe to the future three specific things. First, we owe to the future to repeat and to recount and to retell the mighty acts of God accomplished here. To forget the past is to forget our foundations. We have a clear biblical warrant for recounting the great events of the past. In Hebrews 11, we find the stories of St. Paul who saint after saint after saint and story after story and story and faithfulness after faithfulness after faithfulness tells the story of those who all through the centuries, all through their faithfulness, brought the early church into being. We acknowledge that, and we ought to do so that we can hear these stories. We also need to do it for the benefit of the future generations to come. So if God is a Methodist, we can be proud of our past. Second, we owe to the future to keep the best of the past while encompassing the needs of the future. Stepping out for God is never easy. Fighting for the rights of others in a world of wrong is not for the faint of heart. Facing and challenging things around us is an act of faith to the very core of who we are and what we believe. What the movie 42 did not show and could not show, however, was Robinson's deep and true faith as a Methodist and more importantly, as a Christian. He must have known that his act would be criticized and demeaned. It was. But he was a man of prayer and faith and one who believed in the Bible. But once he stood up to the world with his faith, the world was changed and bigotry and racism was never going to be the same again in America. The message of this movie about courage and overcoming obstacles in life is a pertinent one for a day in the life of the church. So if God is a Methodist, we are going to be all right doing his will on earth. And third, we owe to the future to be as bold in the future as our forebears were in the past. That this church was not started with a lot of money in the bank. The first people that came here did not have these beautiful buildings that you enjoy today. They didn't open the front door and there was an instant congregation. There were just a few at the beginning. But they started a church anyway, trusting in God. We owe it to the future not to stop here. We owe it to the future to press forward with as much vigor and determination as those who came before us did in the past. We owe it to the future to be as bold in the future as they were in the past. And it takes all of us. It's not just going to be your ministers. It will not be just your church leaders. It will take every one of you sitting in your pew today to be a part to make a difference in the world for Jesus Christ. And if this is so, then what if we could imagine for a moment 
what God is capable, far more than what we could ever imagine, far more than what we could ever believe, far more than what we could ever understand that God can do right here through us if we have the faith. What could you imagine giving your life's energy to if you knew that with God's help, you could not fail to be a sign of love and hope and faith through this church? This may well be what it means to be a Christian disciple and a Methodist. For you see, nothing is too daunting for us. We could also be signs of the Spirit's love active in the world as Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey became signs of the in-breaking of a new world of racial inclusion. I don't think that Jackie Robinson or Branch Rickey could have dreamed how they would change baseball in America on that day that they met in 1947. Now, we all know Jackie's story, but do you ever know what happened to Branch Rickey? He became an inspirational public speaker in his later years. On November 13, 1965, Ricky collapsed in the middle of a speech at Columbia, Missouri, as he was being elected to the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. He was in the midst of telling a story of physical courage, and he was about to relate an illustration from the Bible. And he began to say, now I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible about spiritual courage. And as he said that, he murmured that he could not continue, and he collapsed and never spoke again. He faltered, fell back into his seat, and slipped onto the floor. He never regained consciousness. Through the next 26 days, hospitalized in a coma, there was little change. It was on Thursday, December 9th, 1965, at about 10 p.m., that he died of heart failure at Boone County Memorial Hospital in Columbia, Missouri. Death came just 11 days before his 84th birthday. At his funeral... Jackie Robinson contended that only Abraham Lincoln had done more for African Americans than this Methodist layman, Branch Rickey. Yes, Rickey had made a difference by realizing that any person is capable of great things because we worship a great God. You see, you have the power to believe in the transforming grace of God in our midst, through us, to touch this world from this corner and all of our community to do what you never thought was possible. And if you do, where you are, right here, right now, in this place, God will use you and God will use this church. You just have to be willing to step out by faith to be used. You see, it is what God is calling us to do. And so today, I want to say thank you for all of those who came before us. I want to thank all of you who are here today. I want to thank those future generations who will come to fill these seats in days and years to come, and for everyone who will come through these doors, and because of you, will find a relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. You see, that's your legacy, and that's your promise. That's the church's promise. That's the promise of the past, and it will become the promise for the future. And if it is then maybe it's true that God just might be a Methodist. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I would like to close by playing Tammy's favorite pipe tune, which also speaks of the power of faithfulness of the past, the power of God in the present, Highland Cathedral.
And I wish to thank uh, Carlene Van Dyke for accompanying me on the organ. And the words of this hymn are this. Land of our fathers, <clears throat> we will always be <clears throat> faithful and loyal to our own country. In times of danger, you will set us free, lead us to glory and to victory. Hail to our ancient prayer, joining together with one dream to share. God bless the people of this land so fair. Gone is the past. Let us start anew. Let this hope of peace always remain. Spirit of Scotia, be strong and true. And then your children will smile again. Rise then again and let your voices ring in this highland cathedral of our God and King, whom with joy and liberty to all will bring love and courage to sing again. Uh, Gary, thank you very much for those uh, stirring words and uh, stirring notes. The sentiment of our future grounded in our past, we embrace it all and we thank you for reminding us of that.